Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day on this second Sunday in the season of Advent. And we do gather as we are in the season of preparation with great joy, ever looking to and anticipating the second coming, the second Advent of our Lord. And so with that in mind, I'll direct your attention to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin, where we have the Focused on Christ section, a summary of our readings in the service this day. The day on which our Lord returns will be a great and awesome day, for he will come in a cloud with great power and glory. To the wicked and the proud, it will be a day of judgment that will set them ablaze. The signs preceding this day will bring, fear, bring them fear and fainting. But to those who believe, who fear the name of the Lord, this day is one to look forward to and to rejoice in. Straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Christ, our Redeemer, is coming. The Son of Righteousness will bring healing in His wings. Let us then give attention to the words of the Lord, which do not pass away. Let us, through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, be strengthened in our hope by the Holy Spirit and watch diligently for Jesus' coming. Then, by God's grace, we shall escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And in this season where we look to the coming of our Lord, we also remember that he continues to come to us in word and sacrament, giving us forgiveness, life, and salvation. And so as we are gathered in the fellowship of this altar to receive his body and blood this day, he bids us to be of one confession, even as we are one body joined to him. Therefore, those attending the Lord's Supper this day, we ask to be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining together in that one common confession as we receive Christ's body and blood for our forgiveness, life, and salvation. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 1. As it begins on page 151, we now sing the first hymn. Stir up your hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, that by his coming we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Advent is from Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and just decrees that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 15. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, last week's gospel lesson had us focused on what Christ came to do in his first advent. He entered Jerusalem as a humble king, riding on a donkey. The people lined the streets with their cloaks and waved victory palms as for a king. They were right to do so. The Holy Week hymn describes it well. Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die. O Christ, thy triumphs now begin o'er captive death and conquered sin. Even though Jesus had yet to suffer and die for us, God's plan of salvation would be accomplished and fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Today's readings focus our hearts and minds on Christ's second advent. That is, the events leading up to Jesus' coming on the last day. Now, looking again at the Old Testament and Gospel lessons, what do you see? People fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the earth. Distress of nations and peoples in perplexity over creation falling apart. Then there is the glorious return of Jesus. Following that, arrogant evildoers being burned up in the fiery oven of God's wrath and God's chosen people rejoicing. 
going out leaping like calves from the stall. All that is burned up will be ash under our feet as we go with an inexpressible joy into eternal paradise. Now, honestly, I wouldn't blame you if today's scripture lessons left you with kind of a strange mixture of both fear and joy. We long to see Jesus. We long to be with all the saints who have gone before us into heaven. Along with all creation, we are looking forward to the final end of sin, death, and decay. And Satan, cast once and for all into the lake of fire? Who doesn't want that? Our eternal enemy vanquished forever. And yet the thought of this world being in immense chaos, fear, and calamity, well, that is unsettling. We wonder if this will happen in our lifetime. However, dear Christians, take heart, for our Lord tells us, now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. But how can you have such hope and even joy when all you know what is breaking loose around you? Well, that's what we're going to dig into today. So let's get into it. First of all, you should remember that ever since Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, every generation of Christ's church has wondered if their lifetime would include the return of Christ. For instance, there were some Christians in Thessalonica who thought the return of Christ was so near that they gave up working and supporting themselves. Jesus will return at any moment, they thought, so why work? Well, St. Paul responded to this false way of thinking, and his response is found in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. That's verses 10 to 12. The point is this. We don't know the exact time of Christ's return. Therefore, we ought to keep ourselves busy with the good, honest work that God has given to us in our various vocations. We love and we serve our families, raising our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord in his word. We love and serve our neighbors, doing to them as we would have them do to us, of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit. As his baptized saints, we continue gathering together, receiving Christ's grace and mercy as he comes to us in word and sacrament. Although we do not know the day or the hour of Jesus' return, we do know this. He will come back. Until then, things in this world, well, it's only going to get worse right up until the time of his glorious appearing. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus says, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And they will see, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Folks, it's really a pretty clear picture. Creation itself, the earth, the moon and the stars will not be functioning how they are supposed to. Creation itself will be out of order. This will cause mass panic, confusion, and fear. We are not told how long these things will last, whether it be moments, days, weeks, or perhaps longer. Regardless, Jesus tells us all of this precisely so that we will not be consumed by fear. When these things take place, then we will see Jesus, the Son of Man, 
coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Instead of cowering in fear, these events should cause us to straighten up, raise up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Our redemption that draws near is Jesus himself, our Savior and Redeemer, and he will come and take us, pardon me, and he will come and take us to his eternal paradise, the new heavens and the new earth. Now, if all of this is difficult to wrap your minds around, Just think back to how things were during the days of Noah. God had revealed to Noah that all the world would perish in the flood. Considering that Noah's ark is approximately 500 feet long, 80 feet wide, and 50 feet tall, well, it would have taken Noah quite some time to build. We're told in Genesis 6 that the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. How do you think Noah's neighbors reacted to him building a structure like this when the nearest sea was about 560 miles away? It's easy to say that they would have thought he was crazy and likely would have reacted quite violently, as was the case throughout all the world. We are in a similar situation to Noah and his family in the days before God sent the worldwide flood. That is, we know that the world will end. God has said so. When Jesus returns, we know that this world's destruction will be total, and this will all be God's doing. So then, how is God preserving you, his forgiven saints, as the world continues headlong toward its destruction? He is preserving you in the holy ark of his church. There's no accident that church architecture, at least classic church architecture, is set up the way it is. If you were to take this building and turn it upside down, It would look very much like the inside of a boat, of an ark, because it is, as the Lord preserves you in the midst of this unbelieving world. This is his good and gracious will. Each day that passes, God continues to fulfill his promises in Christ, and on the last day, he will destroy once and for all sin, death, and Satan. Now make no mistake about it, Jesus won the victory on the cross. There is nothing lacking in his perfect sacrifice for sin, or his victory over Satan. Christians know and receive all this by faith. We know this, we cherish it, we cling to it. On the last day, however, this will be plainly seen and revealed to all the world. Every unbeliever, whoever scoffed at Christ or his church, will be made to confess that Jesus is Lord and will be cast into hell with the devil and all his demons. And as for you, dear saints, Christ's second coming will be the greatest of days. For you will finally be vindicated before the world. All of God's promises concerning the glory of eternal life, they will be yours in their fullness. You will be reunited with all of your brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before you. Sickness, suffering, and death, these will be no more. Pain, crying, the daily temptations that beset us, these also will be no more. Sin and everything that came with it will be gone forever, for the former things will have passed away. You will have a perfect, glorified body, and you will behold God with your own eyes, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Knowing how good things will be after the end, it makes it just a little easier to endure until the last day. So then what else does Jesus teach us in this gospel lesson? Well, let's keep going. Jesus told them a parable. He said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near, so also... When you see all these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. 
Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. For God's people, the decay and increasing destruction of this world, these are signs to us. It's like going from winter to spring and ultimately to summer. We are moving from death to life, from darkness to light. We need only wait in faith, clinging to God's sure and certain word and receiving his gifts of grace. Now, when we hear what's in store for us and all of God's, God's saints, we cannot help but pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But what do we do until then? Jesus speaks to that question as well. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. As things continue to get worse, the temptation will be to join, in, join the world in drunkenness, debauchery, and faithlessness. You will be increasingly tempted to think, speak, and act like an unbeliever. Why? Well, just think about it. As the world gets darker, it's only going to make it easier for Orthodox, that is, right-believing Christians, to stand out like sore thumbs in this sinful world. Our lives are not characterized by continuous, willful, unrepentant sin. We don't celebrate the world's obsession with death, sexual immorality, or moral depravity. As God's baptized saints, we already look and sound different than the unbelievers around us. And as, as uncomfortable as that may make you at times, it is a good thing. As time continues on, these differences, they will only become more apparent. In fact, it is already happening to us as confessional Lutherans. Let me just put it some numbers before you this morning. See, when it comes to the number of Christians in America, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we are just a drop in the bucket there are more than 330 million people living in our country, at least those that we've been able to account for. About 1.8 million are Missouri Synod Lutherans. That comes out to just one half of 1% of the total population, if that. By comparison, the Roman Catholic Church has just over 70 million members, that's seven zero, and the Southern Baptist Church has about 13 million members. Nationwide, Nobody really pays much attention to us here in the LCMS. But do you know what the culture does know about us? We oppose abortion. We do not ordain women. And we oppose same-sex marriage. Now, these faithful and biblical stances, they paint a target on our backs in this culture. So you see what I mean? The deeper that our culture around us sinks into the mass approval and promotion of things which are sinful and against God's word the more we stand out, hence the temptation to stay quiet and blend in. This then takes us back to Jesus' warning. Our Lord literally tells us to take heed, pay attention to yourselves, and be cautious. Now why? Because as the church faces increasing resistance, hatred, and persecution, it would be easy for us to descend into a hopeless state of mind. Jesus does not want your hearts weighed down and burdened with drunkenness, debauchery, and the cares of this life. He doesn't want you to just give up and say, well, it's all going to pot. Might as well get onto the store and grab an extra case of beer. Instead, he wants you filled with hope and your hearts ever watchful for his coming. Like the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, Christ Jesus wants your lamps filled with oil, ready for his imminent return. 
So then how do we keep hope when things are falling apart? Where do you receive oil for your lamps of faith? Well, dear Christians, you know you're already here now. You're already sitting in God's ark that will see you through the flood. You are here at his table, which he has set before you in the midst of this sinful, unbelieving world. You've been called to God's sanctuary from this world. Here in this hospital for sinners, he offers forgiveness of sins, peace, and rest for your repentant souls. Here in God's house, your heavenly father speaks to you his gospel promises, which give comfort, strength, and forgiveness. When he was speaking with his disciples prior to his arrest, Jesus said this. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now never forget that your Lord has indeed overcome the world. Literally in the Greek, he's conquered the cosmos. Everything that would separate you from God, sin, death, and Satan, Jesus has conquered in his death and resurrection. Now in his means of grace, he gives you his victory and all the gifts of his kingdom. In baptism, he claimed you and set you apart in his church, making you already a citizen of heaven. In the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, you were cleansed of sin and redeemed by his shed blood. In the absolution, he continues to tuck into your ears and into your heart his forgiveness, giving you the assurance of a good conscience before your heavenly Father. In his supper, he feeds you his mercy, his very body and blood given and shed for you in and under bread and wine. And all of this, dear Christian, he gives and he does so that you will have life and have it abundantly. Therefore, take heart and lift up your heads. Yes, the world will continue to crumble and fall apart until the last day comes. Lawlessness will increase. People's love will grow cold. We've been told plainly about this in the word. However, that need not be the case among you, God's saints. In fact, it will not. As people scoff at God's law and his good order for the world, we'll continue confessing the truth. Respect for God-given authority is good, as we've received it in the fourth commandment. All human life is sacred and worthy of protection, as we hear in the fifth commandment. Marriage between one man and one woman is beautiful, sacred, and it is the very foundation of society, as we receive it in the sixth commandment. Private property and income, these are God-given gifts to be honored among all in the seventh commandment. A person's reputation and good name, these are priceless, as we have in the eighth commandment. And God has given us all that we need for this body and life. Therefore, let us be content with his gracious provision, as we are taught in the ninth and tenth commandments. Such is the beauty and goodness of the second table of God's law concerning love for our neighbor. And as for the first table of God's law, there's only one God, and he alone is our creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. He has done it for you. It is finished. By the power of the Spirit, we fear, love, and trust in him above all things. As the Father gave us his Son in order to redeem the world by his cross, so he will send forth his Son to be our judge on the last day. But you, dear saints, you already know God's judgment upon you. All who have faith in Jesus are declared not guilty, forgiven, redeemed. And that is who you are, dear saints, the redeemed of the Lord. And on the last day, you shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Therefore, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
The peace of God which surpasses understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For strength amidst the chaos of this world and for repentant hearts to turn from our sin, that we would rejoice in the coming of Christ, our redemption. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the flock of Christ, Matthew, our synod president, Lee, our district president, Glenn, our circuit visitor, and all those sent to speak God's word to us, that we may be wise for salvation and demonstrate brotherly love. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the schools of the church and our baptized children, that our people may constantly be nourished in the hope of our redemption at Christ's reappearing. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the leaders of the earth and those who govern, that those who would hinder God's reign would be thwarted and his peace established in all places. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all Christian citizens, that in the midst of strife and conflict and wars and rumors of wars, we, re we would remember God has given all authority to Christ, who reigns on high. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick, the suffering, the grieving, and all who have requested our prayers, especially Shirley Dover, Chuck Taney, John Motman, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that our rising sun might overshadow them with his healing wings and shine his light upon them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who commune this day, that as Christ comes to them in the blessed sacrament with his forgiving body and blood, so they may strengthen up and raise up their heads, straighten up and raise up their heads also when they see him come again in glory. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Heavenly Father, grant that we may be kept in joy and sustained in hope through every trouble and trial of this mortal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, again, good morning and welcome to you on this second Sunday in Advent. I do hope you are taking advantage of what we see here on the back cover of the bulletin, this Kids in the Divine Service section. It's not just for children, uh, but it is a nice reminder of what it is that this Advent season is about and the different things such as the Advent wreath that we see um, throughout this season in preparation for our Lord's return and also the remembrance and celebration of his incarnation. Handful of announcements as we continue with our morning uh, Bible study and Sunday school following worship here. And then midweek, we continue with our midweek, um, almost said Lenten, Advent services uh, as we focus on the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and those great O antiphons. So I hope to see you there as you are able. Uh, midweek school beginning at 3.30, and we continue on until our Advent evening prayer at 5.45, and then our evening activities of fitness class and choir practice at 6.30. Uh, Thursday, we, there's handbell practice at 6 p.m. A reminder that Christmas cards are available uh, out on the card rack in the library. Do ask Louise Brown if you have any questions about that. Uh, also a reminder about offering envelopes included in the announcements. And the December Theology on Tap. So this is a save the date. So Tuesday, December 13th at 7. So a week from this coming Tuesday, we're going to have a joint Theology on Tap, men and women together, hosted here in the auditorium at, uh, at church. And the study topic uh, will be kind of a one-off. It'll be Fear Not, uh, Angelic Messengers, and Christ's Incarnation. So we'll study the appearance of angels and the message of the gospel that they bring to us concerning the incarnation of our Lord. So please come then for an evening of Bible study fellowship, and perhaps we'll sing a hymn or two as well.
Uh, that brings us to the end of the written announcements here. Anything that I may have missed through the week? Yes. The three items out there in the infrastructure are on Yes, no, we have uh, some very small garden flag stands that were given to us, uh, and then also um, uh, kind of a, a box of uh, Thrive-In shirts. I know a lot of you like those Thrive-In shirts, myself included. They make great... They run a little small. They run a little small, so they're available for free out there, so please uh, see that as you uh, have need or desire, and also look for an upcoming announcement uh, regarding a meeting for higher things. So this will be a youth event for our confirmed youth coming up next summer. Uh, we, that will be held in July. Uh, but, so look soon uh, in the announcements here and also on the Facebook page for a meeting that we'll have so that we can gather some numbers regarding registration and get our early bird registration in for that this coming summer. All right, anything else? All right, seeing nothing, go in God's peace, knowing that the King is surely coming and that this will be a great and glorious day for you, his saints. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'll greet you at the door.